Good morning. Welcome to Bethlehem Lutheran Church, where God has called and gathered us here this day to receive his gifts through his word and his sacrament. The Old Testament reading for the first Sunday in Advent is from Jeremiah chapter 23. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them. Then they shall dwell in their own land. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Romans chapter 13. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. When they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, as you might remember, last year, as we were going through the church here, I was working off of the themes of the week, or at least I was trying to work off the themes of the week. I wasn't going off of any specific Bible verse that we had for our readings. I was trying to sort of mesh them up together and give us what's the summary. This year, we're going to go back to looking at primarily one of the readings in that we have every week. And this year, since we haven't done it in a while, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament readings. 
And so, as you heard our Old Testament reading for today, hopefully it became very apparent to you that it was a prophecy. And it seems like if we're going to be going through the Old Testament this year, that maybe we should talk a little bit about these prophecies. Because even as you just heard in our Gospel reading for today, they have a tendency to come up again. So, how is it that prophecy works in the Bible? Because, to be fair, it can be a little bit confusing sometimes. One of the important things that we need to remember when we are looking at these prophecies is that very frequently there will be the prophecy that is then and there, that is meant for those people of that time, but then that prophecy might also then be used later. We might find out that something that somebody said might actually be a prophecy of the Messiah, but that nobody at that time really even actually recognized that. And so, as we go through, we will have to keep that in mind. But it is important to remember that these prophecies weren't just for the future. They weren't just about Jesus coming. They were often meant as prophecies for those people at those times when they heard it with their own ears, which is to say that they are often referring to events that are going to happen sometime relatively recently, sometime relatively close to the time of the people who heard it. However, that isn't only what it means. And in fact, a majority of the time, the prophecy or the aspect of the prophecy that we are more interested in, it's not so much about how it fits in with the time that it was given, but more with how it fits in with when Jesus came, or perhaps even later, how it fits in with the end of days, or maybe even how it fits in with what's going on now. And the way that we see this happen most often is that as we look at how God acts in the Old Testament, we can look and we can see a pattern that occurs. Sometimes we call this a type. You'll frequently hear me as we're going through in the Old Testament this year talk about when things are a type of Christ, for instance, David is a type of Christ. And what I mean when I say that is I don't mean that he is the Christ. I mean that he follows the pattern of the Christ. Or maybe another way to say it, that he is foreshadowing the Christ. That there are aspects to him that we can look at and we can learn what we should expect from Jesus. And this is the vast majority of what those patterns are about because we ought to remember what Jesus himself said, that all of the law and the prophets are referring to him. That, in fact, everything in the Bible ultimately comes back to Christ. 
And perhaps that is why the messianic prophecies can sometimes be the most confusing because they can, also, they can often shock us. We can be going through and we can be reading and we can be like, really, Matthew? That's, that's the prophecy that you're going to be quoting? When, if you look back at it in context, that is not what I would have expected. And yet, perhaps we ought not be surprised about that. Perhaps we ought not be surprised that our Lord, our God, who does not think in the same way that we do, doesn't always do as we expect. However, what that then means is that how we figure out primarily what's going on with these prophecies is that we have to rely on the New Testament to point them to us. We have to rely on the apostles and on the words of Jesus to recognize these prophecies. Or, to put it in another way, we need to let Scripture interpret Scripture. So, therefore, as we look at our Old Testament reading for today, we will be looking at this prophecy and trying to think about it in those terms. Our reading for today primarily has two parts, and we'll take them part by part in order to help us understand what Jeremiah is trying to tell us. The first part, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. Let's begin by talking about the then and the there, talking about the context of the people who received this prophecy with their very own ears. This is Jeremiah speaking. And remember that Jeremiah was sort of the primary prophet of the time when Judah was about to fall to Babylon. The Jews were about to enter into the Babylonian exile because they had consistently, over the last 300 years, rejected God and his law over and over and over again. We had a few brief spurts where they managed to remember again, but they didn't last long. They continually rejected the Lord who had brought them up out of Egypt, and therefore the Lord had forsaken them. He was going to abandon them to Babylon, but only for a time, for He had given a prophecy. He had given a promise. And he was not going to let that promise fall, even if it meant he had to go back on his anger. So he here gives them another prophecy. He reestablishes, reiterates the truth that they would not be in Babylon forever. But of course, then remember this prophecy they would have known about. 
they would have known that God had promised David that his offspring would be on the throne forever. They would have known that God had made a covenant with David, and it is to that covenant that God is referring. He then adds what would probably be the most important part for those people at that time, that Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. It would be important to them at that time that Judah would be saved because it didn't look like Judah was going to be saved. It looked like Judah was about to be destroyed. In fact, it looked like Judah was about to be destroyed just like Israel had been destroyed not all that long before this. And yet the prophecy states that Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And then the very last part. This would be something that perhaps they didn't quite understand yet. That the name by which he will be called, the name by which this offspring of David that they've been talking about will be called is the Lord is our righteousness. They quite likely did not understand what that meant quite yet. So then that's what the prophecy is talking about for the then and there, that there was going to come an offspring of David and that they would be saved, that Judah and Israel would once again be nations. But for the here and now, we can look at this prophecy and we can recognize that while the Jews would most certainly return to their land, we recognize that it would be some time before the branch of Jesse would return. And that when he did return, he was going to save them in a way that they were not expecting. Listen as our reading continues. Listen to the second part of this prophecy. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the houses of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. Again, we will start with the what did this promise mean for those people? What was the prophecy talking about? And remember, again, Israel had been destroyed about 150 years before this. Israel did not exist at the time that Jeremiah was making this prophecy. And he is speaking to the people, the Jews, and telling them that Israel would exist again. Which they could then take to mean that they too would continue, that they too would endure despite the Babylonian captivity that was about to happen. That the Jews would again dwell in their own land. He then goes on to talk about how people aren't going to say anymore that 
It's as the Lord lives who brought the people out of the land of Egypt. Instead, what they're going to say is as the Lord lives who brought the houses of Israel out of the north country. That is to say that they should expect a greater salvation event than even the Exodus. That they should be looking for a greater salvation than even Moses splitting the Red Sea and them walking through on dry ground. And of course, we here and now can look at this and we can see exactly what salvation event Jeremiah was talking about. We can see the truth that this righteous branch of David that Jeremiah prophesied, this Lord who is our righteousness, that he would come. That when he did come, he would, in fact, accomplish a greater salvation than anything that has ever happened. A salvation that all of the other salvations relied upon. For he would establish the forgiveness of our sins by shedding his own blood. By dying, not only for the Jews, not only for the Israelites, but in fact for the entire world. Forgiveness would be earned, salvation would be earned. Despite the fact that, again, the Jews and the Israelites consistently and regularly would abandon their God, despite the fact that we consistently abandon our God, our salvation has been established. Our forgiveness has been earned. And what we can see here and now as we begin this walk through the Old Testament, we will see time and time again that God follows through on his promises. The Lord did come. The branch of David came. The one who is our righteousness arrived, and when he did, he gave that righteousness to us. He will not always fulfill these prophecies in the way that we expect, but he will always fulfill them in the way that is best for us. Which means that here and now, as we hear about these promises and God fulfilling them, you are free to remember the promises that God made to you. Promises such as when I say I forgive you in the name of the Lord, that you are truly forgiven. Promises such as when you were washed clean in the waters of baptism, that you are in fact still clean because of that washing. Promises such as when you receive this bread and wine, that you are truly receiving his body and blood, and in so doing, receiving the forgiveness for your sins. You are free to trust in these promises. Knowing that perhaps these prophecies that we have been given will not always turn out as we expect, but that he will follow through. He will fulfill his promises. 
And that when he does, they will turn out to be perfect for us. That he will have fulfilled them in the best way possible for us. Because he has promised that that is how he will do it. And you are free to trust in that promise. Now may the peace which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.